Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. Our Christmas party continues with day six. Five golden rings, six geese a-laying, six geese a-laying. <laughs> the music in the background is for our good buddy, Mr. Phil Wickham. Make sure you've grabbed a copy of his Christmas album called Christmas. Today on the show is a massively requested guest that every time y'all see us talking to each other on Instagram or talking about each other, everyone begs me to have Artie Securi on the podcast. Artie is a chef. She is one Food Network star. She is one of the judges on a lot of different Food Network shows, including Guy's Grocery Games. This means I'm like one degree from Guy Fieri, which I think is very cool. And also the Christmas cookie baking show that is on right now. She is one of the judges there as well. Our plan was to sit down and talk about Christmas, and we did get to do that. But also, Artie has a big life transition that is about to happen, and this conversation just felt like what was meant to happen. And so I hope you enjoy a really honest, a really beautiful conversation with Artie about when your life is about to change. And I feel like this conversation is going to give you a real direct way to think about and pray for Artie and to um, walk with her as her family walks towards some really big changes. So here is my dear friend, Artie. Are you still drinking only broth? No, I broke it. I broke it on, um, I broke it on Friday night. I broke it with sushi. No, I broke it with a white Russian, to be honest. Oh, yes, ma'am. Because we were bowling. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, this is not how you're supposed to come off this thing, but that's just what's happening. This is what's happening because it's Christmas. That's right. That's real life. White Russians happen at Christmas. Now, I'm allergic to dairy, so I don't partake in white Russians, but you love them. I, you know, so... I am technically allergic to dairy too, um, but I guess not so badly. Well, like, you know, I'm lactose intolerant, so I can't really do it. But I I do a little, if I can do a little bit here and there, I tend to be okay. Uh, But couldn't you do it at home with like almond milk and some soy creamer or something? I guess so. Yeah, I haven't ever tried. You're exactly right. I still want you to live. I know, right? I know. I still have to be a person who gets to partake in things, even if I can't have cow's milk. Um, tell me why you do the um, broth cleanse. I think it's so smart. So it's it's called this leaky gut protocol. And my mother-in-law did it because she was having a lot of just weird things happening with her body. And so when she did it, she just found that it made a lot of those things go away. Right. And so uh, my husband has ulcerative colitis and we've been trying a bunch of different things to try to heal it. Um, in addition to prayer. And so we were like, I, you know, when she did it, I said to Bren, well, this is so completely based on your gut. So let's try it and I'll do it with you and we'll see if it helps. And it didn't really do anything to help him. But for me, I felt like after six days of subsisting on homemade quote unquote bone broth, which is just stock, um, I just felt, I felt lighter. And the biggest thing for me is that I felt the brain fog just disappear. And it, it was something that I, I knew I had it because there were some mornings where I would just try to think about the things that I had to do that day. And I couldn't get through. It felt like there were cotton balls in my brain. I just Mm. couldn't get through. And in doing this, I felt that vanish. And I had um, optimism and energy. And I bounced out of bed at five 30 in the morning, which is not my ammo. <laughs> and, um, and I felt, uh, I just felt sort of free from a lot of shackles, you know, shackles of sort of sugar shackles, caffeine shackles, alcohol shackles, chewing shackles. Like just, just the, I remember I broke my fast with a single olive mm. and I, I put it on Instagram and it felt so X-rated. <laughs> I was like, maybe I shouldn't put this on there because, dude, if you haven't chewed for six days, eating an olive is a transcendent, like, sensual experience. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's next level. So after all the craziness of Thanksgiving and everything leading up to that and 
you know, my friend passed away a couple of months ago. So there's been a lot of sort of self-medicating in that way too. And I just felt like between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I need to go back to this and try it again. So that's all the sort of good reasons. The other reason is that I'd put weight back on and I wanted to lose some. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I respect that. I want us to back up a second and talk about, you said a really interesting thing that I would love to hear you talk a little bit more about when you're explaining helping your husband's body heal. You said, in addition to prayer, here's the other things we do. Will you talk for a second? I mean, we, we're jumping right in the middle. We mm. should back up and tell people why we're friends. But first, will yeah, you, will you jump in and kind of talk about like, what is that combo for you? That like prayer plus doing things. How do you know when to mm. just pray? How do you know when to do some other things along with it? I wish I had a really deep answer for you. I just, I I don't like to sit and wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not a very patient person. So when my husband was a little boy, he had ulcerative colitis. And for people who don't know what that is, that's where you have ulcers on your colon. And so when he had it as a little boy, it meant a lot of pain, a lot of really bad pain. Mm. And it also meant that he was malnourished. You know, he was going to the bathroom a lot and that he just wasn't getting any nourishment from his food. And it got to the point where the doctors said, the medicines are not doing anything. Mm. So we're going to have to cut that portion of his colon out and give him a colostomy bag. And um, Bren was this sort of toe-headed, big-eyed, incredibly well-spoken, I think nine-year-old. And he said to his mom, mom, I'd rather die than have that happen. And he he meant it seriously. Oh, wow. And so his mom was sort of like, okay, have a good sleep, darling. I'll see you in the morning, you know, and probably wept into her pillow as I would. And um, a little while after that, you know, his, his mom was a Christian at that point. I don't think he was just yet. And so They'd had prayer, you know, Bible studies where people had prayed over him over and over and over again. And again, a woman called and said, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for Bren one more time. So she came over, they prayed over him, and Bren said, Mom, my my belly feels really warm. Mom, Jesus healed me. Jesus healed me. And and he was, she was like, Oh my gosh, that's incredible. And then the next morning when she gave him his medicine, he slid it back across to her on the table. Mm. And he said, No, Jesus healed me. And she was like, uh, okay. And when they went to the doctor for their scheduled appointment, they were like, I don't know what happened, but the colon, the, the ulcers are not there anymore. And they couldn't explain it. And they said, listen, this doesn't mean that it won't come back. It could flare up, all of this kind of stuff. But for me, I was like, that was the most, I mean, that's a miraculous story. Right. And it was a story that I would tell people all the time. You know, I was like, listen, I know that you have trouble with God. And I get it. I have trouble with God and I still believe in him, but this is what he's capable of, you know? And so then when it came back two or three years ago, it rocked us, dude. I mean, it rocked him. It rocked me, you know, obviously it rocked him physically, but sort of spiritually, emotionally, sort of like, why would you let this happen again? I mean, it's, there's, it's been a long process of trying to deal with it. And he lost 50 pounds within a couple of months and oh uh, his energy is down and, you know, all these sorts of things. Yeah. And he didn't have that much to lose. I mean, the, the upside of it is that like, he looks fine. And <laughs> sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. when we go to the thrift store, you know, he just has a whole new wardrobe of amazing clothes. And, and here in LA, like, you know, you go to a party and people are like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? You look amazing. And he's like, oh, you know, I have a degenerative autoimmune disease. You right. should try it. You know? But so to answer your question, we've done a lot of prayer, a lot, a lot, a lot of prayer. We've sort of done like an intake to double check that there's nothing that we're doing that is outside the realms of what God says is leading a biblical life. Yeah. You kind of pulled all those things out. If any of those are, you know, allowing this to to blossom, right? And then, you know, in in the meantime, I mean, Brenna has a very sort of he has a really humble outlook on the whole thing. I remember when we were in college because we got together and like the the third day of New Student Week in college. So Did we've you been really? Since we were eighteen. Yeah. And I remember saying to him once when he was sort of feeling a little dejected about being, you know, going on an audition, not getting it. I was like, babe, you know, God saved you from ulcerative colitis. Like, you know, I know that he has great things for you, for your life. And he looked at me super seriously and he said, hun, but, but the great thing for my life may have been just to be, not just, but 
the thing he may have planned is for me to be your husband. That may have been the thing that he made me to do. Mm. And everything else has to come. You know, I have to submit all of my other things to him. And so it's even been in this and his health. He's like, I just have to wait on him. I believe that he will heal me. But in the meantime, you know, we can try different things and see if there's something in that process that would help me just to be a better person. So for example, I mean, like Brennan, my one of, uh, this is a very long answer. I'm sorry. I love it. Are you kidding? I love it. (laughs) And I don't know this part of y'all's story. So I'm really interested. Um, Yeah. I remember when we, you know, when I first moved to LA, we were long distance for a little while before we got married. And when I first moved to LA, we had a friend named Brian and he dubbed Bren the consumer because (laughs) Bren was this sort of larger than life, like would drink six cups of coffee if they were available, not just one, you know, would eat the full stack of pancakes because they were there. You know, he grew up sort of, there were moments in his life where his family didn't have a lot of money. And so as an adult, he, he always wants to sort of enjoy as much as he can. If the abundance is available, he wants to take part in it, you know? And so in, in this season of not being able to eat things the way that he used to, um, it's been good because he was like, I just, I realized that food was an idol. And for me, oh, wow. as someone who works in the food industry, right. I also then have to reckon with that and be like, you know, what, in what way have I put food, you know, on the throne instead of God? In what way um, am I contributing to our society, putting food on the throne instead of God? Mm. You know, wow. and, and it's, it's led me to like really interesting things like, you know, we're in this culture where it's sort of like, this is where you get the best steak and this is how you make the best chicken pot pie and the best and the best and the it's best. It's a whole TV show. It's a whole TV show. And the thing is, we're pulling our hair out on a weeknight, trying to make the best versions of these food when really good enough is all we need. Mm. Good enough is all we need. Like yeah. we just need to put food on the table so that we can sit around and be with each other and check in with each other. And like my, the sweetest moment of my day is when I'm sitting here with my kids and my husband and my four-year-old looks at me and says, so mama, and she puts her elbow on the table and her head in her hand and looks at me and says, so mama, how was your day? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, yeah, thank you for caring. I would right. love to tell you about my That's day, right. you know? That's that's what we're supposed to be aiming towards. Like putting the best pot pie on the table is not what that's not the throne that's not throne room living. You uh-huh. know? Right. Wow. So what okay. Yeah, dude. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot there. That's a lot there. That I have a thousand directions I want to go with that. For starters, uh-huh. how do we I mean, that's so interesting to hear you talk about as a I will dub you, many have dubbed you, a Food Network star, Artie. As a Food Network star who had your own (laughs) cookbooks, you have your own TV show, you're forever on and always on Guy's Grocery Games and on, you're currently judging a cookie contest, which I have some real comments about for you, about these cookies. (laughs) Um, But how do you reconcile that your life is showing us really beautiful food, but you're actually telling us it can be more simple if you want it to? Well, I think it's like most things, you know, there's the ideal of what you're shooting for. And then there's the practicality of everyday living. And, you know, I have such a, like, I don't have a perfectionist streak. I have a perfectionist skeleton, (laughs) you know, like I, everything has to be lined up, you know, and I used to be very proud of that, you know, and I definitely come from a long line of women who are perfectionists. And then I sort of realized that it was debilitating because Mm. it would keep me from doing stuff because I would prerequisite things. Say, well, if I don't do this, then I can't do this. And if I don't do this, I can't do this. And I feel like one of the things that that God has been trying to teach me is like, it can be messy Mm. to start even, or it can be messy forever. It's That's okay. As long as you're doing it, you know? Right. And the real thing that sort of woke me up to that is that my my oldest daughter, Alaya, will start a picture. And then if it's not going the way she wants it, she crumples it up and she throws it away. And I'll walk into the room. There's a huge pile of crumpled paper on the floor. Oh, wow. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, she's like, it just wasn't perfect. And I was like, it doesn't have to be perfect. And then she'll say to me, if I'm not perfect... It makes me want to cry. If I'm not perfect, no one will like me. Oh, bless her. Where did she get that from? 
Right. Where did she get that from? She's six. And she said that when she was four. And, you know, we've had talks about this and I'm like, I don't, babe, I'm like, I make mistakes all the time and you like me. And she said, no, you don't. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, no, you don't ever make mistakes. And I was like, okay, I've got to be more vocal then about the mistakes I make because I make mistakes all the time. And if I'm not letting you see that and you're my daughter, then I'm not letting everybody else see that. And that's a problem. You know, it's a real problem. And I think we have people going nuts and sort of people um, striving for perfection and I don't think it's, I don't think that it's a coincidence that at the same time, and this is someone who suffers with it, that we have mental health issues on the rise. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things feeding, feeding into mental health stuff, but as someone who is a perfectionist and as someone who is on antidepressants, I feel like there's a connection. I can say it for myself. I know there's a connection. So when it comes to food, I can celebrate things that I think are aiming for perfection. I think we're supposed to do everything as unto the Lord, but I think the Lord is very clear with us. You're never going to do things as well as I can do them. Mm. So you've got to give, you know, and I'm giving you a little bit of grace in that. Like there's nothing you can do to lose your salvation in me. There's nothing you can do to lose your space in the safety of my hand. So, but I do want you to try because that is kind of what I made you for. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it is a delicate balance, but I do think that there's, there's a place for celebrating people who are trying to do the best. And then there's a place to say, but what's the best in this situation for me, the best is, for example, with dinner, the best is for me to put food on the table. What that food is, that's not really what's being judged right now. If there was a panel of judges sitting here, <laughs> what they would be judging is, you know, they, they would be judging the quality of our conversation, the quality of the, yeah. the fun time we're having together. You know, that's what's being judged in that moment. When you're on a cooking show, on a television show, like that, you're being judged for something entirely different. Sure. I mean, so for the people, all of us are making food on a daily basis. When you and I watch you on Instagram when you are cooking things, I mean, you make recipes that any of us probably could do a version of, probably not as good as you. But I mean, where are you picking what you're cooking for dinner? Um, a lot of times it's just like today I went to the supermarket and I just walked around the produce section. I just walked around and I looked and I looked and I looked and I, I just don't know why, but I had a hankering for mushrooms. Mm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do something with mushrooms. And then I was thinking about what I had. And um, my friend had given me a, a, a African yam, a real African yam. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, maybe I'll make a mash with that. And then I don't know. I just sort of look at what's around and then we eat out a fair amount um, just because we love to do that. And it's, you know, it's, it's inspiration and it's right. joy and it also takes the pressure off me for a meal so that I can just sit and relax and talk to my family. So that's where I get ideas. And then I've sort of, um, it used to be, it used to be blogs, but now there's so many I can't keep up. And, and frankly, a lot of blogs, they're not um, testing their recipes. So then I'll try to make them and they don't work. And then I'm, I'm just like, betrayed by that blog and I never want to go back. <laughs> so I've come back to cookbooks. I've come back to cookbooks. I, I try to cook seasonally. I live in LA, so we have incredible farmer's markets. At least I'm here for another two months before we move. I know. You, I want you to, that's exactly where we're going next. Girl, I miss you. I miss you too. I want you to, okay, so I don't know the update on moving. Are you talking about it publicly? Um, I'm starting to. I mean, I haven't said anything yet officially, but I mean, it just came up because you're my friend and that's what we do. <laughs> well, we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. I know it's fine. I mean, so we, Brent and I have always talked about moving um, because we just want sort of a, a, a quieter way of life for our kids to grow up, up in. LA is a very loud and stimulating city and we love it. We love it. But there's aspects of like sort of the way that we want our kids to grow up it's just cost prohibitive yeah and so we Bren's family lives in North Carolina and so we're moving <gasps> what part Raleigh okay and are you what if I was like and now please give us your address no I'm just kidding don't do that but that's so much closer to me Artie I'm so happy I know we're actually we're, so we're gonna road trip that's the <gasps> that's the grand plan in our little Prius we're gonna road trip and stop and see friends along the way. So um, we're trying to figure out whether we go to, whether we can also swing a Nashville trip. I mean, is Nashville <laughs> not directly in between? 
<laughs> it must be, right? Yes, math would tell me. <laughs> I like when you're bringing math into it. Yeah, that's right. Math would say you have to stop in Nashville between, if you're leaving LA and you're just driving east to get to North Carolina, you have to pass mm-hmm. through Tennessee. I would assume so. And Bren, I think from 16 to 18 or 15 to 18 was in Nashville. Okay. And so it would be great for us to come back and take a look and see, because I know it's not the same. Right. And I'm here. So that's different. Well, it's huge. I mean, there's a lot of, I have a lot of new friends in Nashville. Yes. I have a lot of new friends, so I need to see them all. I agree. But in any case, so yeah, so we're moving. So that's also what's going on in, in our lives right now. There's just a lot, Annie. Annie Downs, there's a, a lot. lot. That is a lot. W- tell me how you feel. I mean, I saw you talk about it. You walked around it when you talked about having Thanksgiving at your house for the last time. <laughs> Right. What does it feel like that you're getting ready to have Christmas there for the last time in LA? Well, it's hard because everything is the last time at the moment, Mm. you know, and um, it, it makes it harder because I just feel like my heart is more open to see people and my friends and my family, their hearts are more open to, to make time to see us too. I mean, everyone's busy, you know, and, and so it's very easy when you have such a busy life and traffic is, is like a, the invisible, visible enemy in LA. Yeah, and it really yeah. keeps you from maintaining relationships and friendships and stuff. But I just feel like we, especially at this time of year, just have more time on our hands and it's just the season. It's the season of drawing people close to you. And so it's just, it's really hard. Thanksgiving was was really wonderful. We had 25 people in our house and we don't have a table that seats 25. So we, we sat on the floor. We found a spot wherever we could. And it was loud and children were crying and some children were throwing up. And <laughs> it, was just, it was cacophony and it was joy. And I when everybody left, I sat there on the couch with Bren and I just burst into tears. Mm. And I was like, these people, you know, we've been here for 20 something years. And so you know, and in some of the, the the most formative years of our life as young adults, you know, we went from being the only married couples that we knew to sort of people getting married. Then we were the only couple with children. Then people were having children and people were changing careers and buying homes and going through illness and, you know, me going through depression and people supporting me in that. And all of this kind of stuff, like huge, huge, huge watershed moments with these people. And so the idea that we would be leaving all of them and going to the great unknown and now with children not sure with how to forge those friendships right. is really scary for me. And I am a I am totally like I feed off being around people. Right. And so I, I'm nervous, you know, I'm, I'm definitely nervous about sort of a place that's quieter, which is what I need, I know, but then not having my my family, you know, yeah. my blood family and my friend family, not having them with me doing this thing that is very difficult. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard. But I also feel like it's something we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Tell me how you knew it was right, even though it is very hard. I mean, honestly, Annie, I don't know. Yeah. Yesterday we were at church and the pastor was preaching about, you know, when Paul and Silas and Timothy were going this way and that way, like, you know, Syria, Galicia, Asia. Okay, no, we're going to go back to Syria. And just going back and forth and back and forth. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, but they were doing it because they felt like the Lord was saying, go here, don't go here. You're not allowed to go past this point, you know? And I was like, you know, I really need to make sure in the days ahead that this is something that God wants us to do. Mm. And then there's also a part of me that says, it was a few years ago, it was New Year's Eve. And and I was like, I hadn't done Food Network yet. And I just felt very lost in my life. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. And I remember my constant prayer was like, please, God, please, please, please. Could you just tell me why you made me? Like every morning oh, I wake wow. up and I'm disappointed that I'm still alive. Like, why did you make me? I wasn't suicidal, but I definitely every morning was just sort of like, why, why did I wake up? Like, what the heck, dude? And so it was New Year's Day. And I was praying that same prayer and I felt God was like, just take a bold step and I will bless it. Just do something, you know, don't prerequisite. Stop saying you can't do this. You can't do that because you haven't done this and you haven't done that. Just do something and I'll bless it. Mm. And I think that that was the year that I started blogging. And then that led to sort of shooting my own cooking show for YouTube. And then that led to Food Network and Food Network Star and all. And then that all took off. 
And it was messy to begin with. That's why I keep saying, like, it doesn't have to be perfect to begin with. Just start. And I sort of feel the same thing now where I sort of feel like we've reached a point where Bren is an actor and his, he's had all the big breaks that you think you would need yeah. and they haven't led to the things that he has always dreamt of. And we put off moving by a year because we helped to, we were part of a team to plant a church in our neighborhood. And while that has been very fulfilling, it's, it's been a year and I, I don't see I just don't see what the next step for us in that church is at the moment. And that was the thing. It was like, if we do this whole year and we get to December, I think I talked to you about this when we were thinking about it. When we get, when we get to December, we'll know, we'll know if we're supposed to stay because we're supposed to be part of this church or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't feel, I don't feel that yet. So honestly, I mean, I'm really just sort of, life is so nuts and it's so like, you know, I did my nails last night and I felt like it was the biggest luxury in the world because there's just no time to do those sorts of things. So the idea that I would sit and and wait on the Lord, which I know I'm supposed to do, it just feels really impossible at the moment. Yeah. So I just keep saying, Lord, please, you know how I am. And if the, if you if this is a bad idea, just put a big neon sign over the word no somewhere. Yeah. And I will pay attention, I promise. Right. You know. It's been a very messy thing. I was going to say, I so appreciate you saying that because so many of us have to make big decisions and we just aren't sure. And so we just make the best decision we know how to make. And the beautiful thing about moving from L.A. to North Carolina is if you want to go back, California is not going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, as long as it's not a huge earthquake. That's right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) That's right. I mean, that's the that's the reality of it is you can you can go back. But also there's just something so beautiful about going like, we think this is right and we're doing the best that we can. And Mm -hmm. here we go. Yeah. And, you know, Bren said the most beautiful thing. So, you know, the the Saturday or something after Thanksgiving, because at Thanksgiving, everybody was asking us, you know. Yeah. And I said, listen, I just need to get through Thanksgiving and then we can talk about it. Like, it's just been this wild race to get through Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And I cooked the whole night. And so that weekend I said, so, so babe, are we still, I mean, are we still going, you know, do you still think it's a good idea? And he was like, well, you're the one that's been saying it for the past few years. And I said, I get it, but I want this to be some, a decision we make together. I don't want this to be something, especially if you're sacrificing your career and your dream, I don't want it to be just because I keep whining about it. And he said, listen, I'm the husband and I'm the father and I'm the spiritual head of this household. And I have to make decisions that are good for you and for the kids. Even if that means that it's a sacrifice for me. Mm. And he's like, keeping you guys here now, it's just for me and for my thing. That's, it's enough now. It's enough, he yeah. said. Yeah. And I just felt like that was so humble and so... It was, it was like, it wasn't just putting his career on the altar. It was putting himself on the altar. And when you read, I know people get tied up in knots about submit yourself to your husband, you know, wives submit yourself to your husbands. The other half of that is like husbands love your wives and love themselves sacrificially. And that is a, that is, I think that's way harder than submitting to my husband. I have a way easier time being like, you know what? You decide. Even if it was like yesterday mm-hmm. for lunch, I was like, I don't know. You decide, right? Mm-hmm. But to put his whole life on the altar because he loves me and he loves our kids, I would. I don't want to do that. I've mm-hmm. never done it. Yeah. There's a little part of me that would find it very easy because I think because that's like a mother's place, you know. But man, I was like, I just was like poking my orange chicken with a fork so that I wouldn't cry. I was like, oh, okay, that sounds nice, dear. No one really talks about sacrifice looking like that within marriages anymore. You know, you just don't hear those stories very mm-hmm. much where one of the spouses kind yeah. of, well, I, if I'm being real honest, you, you you don't hear that story of men giving up like that. I'm sure it's happening everywhere. And I'm sure there are people yelling back at us. Yes, that happened to my family. But you more often hear the woman and the kids packing up and following the husband's job. And but to hear him kind of go like, we can make this work because it's what you need. It's just that sounds a whole lot like Jesus to me. It does, right? 
I mean, I have goosebumps on my arm just thinking every yeah. time I tell that story, I'm just like, how did I get this man? How did yeah. this man become my husband? I've had a lot of a lot of wrestles that I have have been as as I mean, frankly, I am the breadwinner, and I think Bren would feel fine with me talking about that. Mm-hmm. At the moment, that's the position where yeah. I'm because I'm working and my work is primarily on the road. I'm not home. And so Bren is the primary caretaker. He's the one packing their lunchboxes. He's getting them home from school. He's, you know, attempting to brush their hair, but they won't let him. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's doing all these things and taking them to playgrounds and stuff. And and honestly, I find that it's more lonely for him because there aren't uh, as many men in that position. Sure. I'm seeing more and more, but like, you know, when he's at the playground, he's usually the only dad. And then there's a bunch of mums, and frankly, we're in LA, nannies. Mm-hmm. And so I've wrestled with God about that. I'm like, Lord, I is this what you mean? Is this how you, does this matter to you? Like, who is the breadwinner and who is the homemaker? Does mm-hmm. that matter to you? Because I think a little part of me just sort of felt like, you know, the traditional value is that the man is the hunter gatherer and the right. you know the the woman is the sort of child rearer homemaker and there are still aspects of my personality that are definitely much more in the homemaker world yeah. but i i don't know i've come to the, i've come to the understanding because it hasn't changed and there's nothing sinful about what i'm doing there's nothing sinful about what he's doing it's just just how our life is unrolling that there isn't you know the fact is that our girls are blossoming under his care. Yeah. And they're actually, there's something different about them because they spend so much time with their dad, mm-hmm. um, who happens to be between the two of us, the more playful one, the one that will make believe with them for a long time, the one who is way more patient. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he has a lot more, in my eyes, the characteristics of your quintessential mother oh, than I do. And so I just have to be like, okay, well then God has worked this out in this way at this time for all of our good. And I just have to trust them. Hey friend, just interrupting this conversation with Artie to tell you about one of our sponsors for today's show. I'm so thankful for Waterbrook and Latasha Morrison and her new book, Be the Bridge. As a leading advocate for racial reconciliation, Tasha offers a clarion call for Christians to move towards relationship and deeper understanding in the midst of a divisive culture. Y'all know this is such an important conversation that we are all learning while we are having. And I'm so grateful for the ways that Tasha is helping us with that. With racial tensions as high within the church as outside the church, it's just time for Christians to become the leaders in the conversation on racial reconciliation. Her book, Be the Bridge, is a power-packed guide that helps readers deepen their understanding of historical factors and present realities, equipping them to participate in the ongoing dialogue and to serve as a catalyst for righteousness, justice, healing, transformation, and reconciliation. Here at That Sounds Fun, it matters to us, and I know it matters to you that we are part of this conversation. And so Be the Bridge is the book that I would put in all of our hands to read together to be working through this. It's available wherever books are sold, and you can find out more at latashamorrison.com slash book. And now back to the show. So when y'all go out to North Carolina, will we still get to see you on TV? And are you still going to be pursuing what we like? Don't leave guys grocery games is what I'm saying. I need you on guys grocery. No, 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 no. (laughs) <laughs> no, I sure hope not. I mean, I've talked to all the producers and I talked to Guy and Guy was like, this is a great idea. Yeah, I have no intention of stopping. And actually part of the part of the reason for the move is actually to intensify. Because one of the things that happens when you're living in a place that's just energetically, to borrow a new age word, energetically, <laughs> yeah. this is a place where there's a lot of, you know, stimuli and ideas and people sort of striving and striving and striving I, my bandwidth is so full and it's full with everything from sort of ideas and watching what other people are doing to just the mundanity of like, okay, you know, it's going to take us 45 minutes to get you to school today. Mm -hmm. I just don't have any space left in my brain to think of, to dream. Annie, I have no dreams, you know, for my, for my career. And so I really, I just feel like I need to go to a place where I can look up at the sky and there isn't a billboard there isn't a chopper, there isn't pollution, 
and I can just look at creation and be like, okay, what do I want to do? You know? And I, I haven't been able to answer that question for a long time. Yeah. I remember last year you and I were together. (laughs) No, it's just two friends talking. We just also are letting a bunch of our friends listen in. Um, I mean, I remember last year when we were both at if gathering and you were talking about how much you missed dreaming. Yeah. Was I talking about it then? Yes. Cause I, it was the first time I had, you were at least talking about it enough that it was the first time I had, I had um, heard that phrase. So that's why it stuck to me. Is yeah. so you may have it may have been the birth times of this idea in you, but you yeah. said enough for me to go, man. I've never thought about that using that language. Yeah, I you know it's it's been a difficulty for me honestly, and in talking with managers and talking with people who are like, you're so talented, you just have to figure out what you want to do, and I'm like, yeah, I know. if I could only do that, you know, and then I'll like, I, you know, I remember one time sitting there and talking to Danielle Walker and she had very, very strong ideas of things that she wanted to do. And I was like, dang girl. And then I remember sitting on the plane and going, okay, if I was Danielle in my body, what would I, you know, think? And I remember I wrote a long list and I, sent it to Jeffrey, my manager. And yeah. I was like, Hey, I dreamt today, yeah. you know, and it, it felt very foreign and very weird. And I think I still, I don't know. I, it was, I was even just journaling yesterday and I was like, Lord, I don't know what it is. What keeps me from dreaming? What keeps mm. me from dreaming big? And I think some of that is sort of that I'm also a very practical person. And so right. I can immediately be like, well, that won't work because of this, 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 and this. <laughs> and I haven't even let myself have the joy of dreaming, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out. It might be a thing for me though. And I, and I don't think I'm alone. I think there's a lot of people who have been disappointed enough in their life and feel overwhelmed enough with their life that they think that dreaming is a luxury that they, right. that is not the first priority, right. you know? Or even a priority. Right. So my promise to you, Artie, is I'm going to give you until like July in North Carolina. Once you get through spring and your house is unpacked and you've been able to like sit outside a couple of days in a row and a couple of evenings are warm enough that you're sitting outside. And then I'm going to circle back and ask you if you're dreaming yet. Yeah, that would be great. Once you've got a little bit of space. I've always got the impression that you don't have trouble dreaming. Right. But I also don't have a husband and two children that I have to like make sure are kept alive every day. You know, like I, I have significantly more, I I do have a very busy life, but I think I have significantly more free time than most of the, most of my peers who have families and your dreaming changes when there are other lives involved. And so right now, while I'm not married yet, I have the opportunity to dream really big for my career because it's the only path in my life I'm dreaming down and then acting out on. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so my thinking is when I get married and start having kids, my professional dreams will have to shift and change because it isn't just about me anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good to hear. That's probably why I can is even though we're almost the same age or about the same age, I, my dreams don't affect anybody else except employees. Right. So yeah, dude, it's it's Tough one. Do you know where y'all are going to go to church when you get to Raleigh? Do you already have all that scoped out in your heart? No, not yet. And I, you know, it's funny because when I moved to LA, I didn't really know anyone except for Bren. And so we discovered a lot of, we found our church together and sort of, um, so then that church ended up being such a huge part of our lives. Like I remember we moved 10 minutes away from where we were living and I was like, I don't want to move too far away because of our church family and stuff. And so I, I do anticipate that that will be a big part of feeling like, okay, we're not alone here. Yeah. You know, yeah. I will have family there. So. Yeah. Where are your parents? Your parents aren't in LA, are they? No, they're in India. So my, oh, that's right. <laughs> my, my parents are in India. My, my youngest sister is with them. Okay. Yeah. Oh man. I forgot that. So this is yeah. me not knowing much. So I guess you're moving much farther from them as well. Hmm. Well, this is the thing about the earth being round <laughs> for all you flat earthers out there. <laughs> you can go either way and get there. 
you can you can go either way and so um in some ways it's further away but in others it's closer I think time difference wise I'm actually moving closer to them and actually I mean my parents are getting older and I'm the oldest and so I've always felt it incumbent on me and it's it's now I see it as a privilege I used to feel like it was a burden but I want to get to a place where I can give them like a little guest house in the backyard so they can live there and we can look after them, but they can still have their privacy. And you know what I mean? Right. And that is so hard to achieve here and way easier to achieve there. So Mm -hmm. um, that's my, that's part. I will say that is part of my dream is to be able to look after them and have my kids grow up around them as well. And um, because I didn't really grow up around my grandparents that much And I feel like I really missed out on a part of my identity because of that. Because, you know, here are my kids. I just feel like the Indian part is getting watered down with every generation. And I have a lot of pride in the fact that I'm Indian and everything that our culture has achieved and not achieved and some of the bad things we've done. I mean, whatever. I still, you know, it's still mine. Right. And I want my kids to have that, too. Right. So tell me, let's let's shift a, a, just a smidge and talk about Christmas as you're thinking about moving as well. Tell me some traditions that you guys have that you're really like, man, I'm glad we get to do this at least one more time in L.A. Yeah. Well, um, for a second there, we were not going to have a Christmas tree, but then my husband got outvoted. So we're getting a Christmas tree. <laughs> yes, of course you are. My gracious. I know. I know. Um But one thing that we always do, and we actually probably should do it this week, is we have this huge paper star. It's giant. It's like three to four feet wide and high that we hang in our front window. You put a light bulb in it. And we always do that every year. And I feel like it really sends that message, you know, because our street can be kind of dark at night and the the days are shorter and everything. And so we will we'll draw the curtains, but the star is sort of on the window side. So anybody that walks by sees that huge star. And so to me, it's sort of a light shot in the do- darkness, you know, and the darkness yeah. did not comprehend it. Yeah. I just love that. We could not have a tree, but as long as we have that star, to me, I'm like, this is what Christmas is about. This is who Jesus is. This is who we are. You know, we have to have that star up. So we're going to do it. And actually one year we're in an apartment building with four apartments and we're the bottom left one. Mm -hmm. And one year, all four apartments hung a star up in the window. We were the only (gasps) building on the street that did it. And it was magical. I was like, oh, I could just, this is it. And both of my babies were born in the fall, one in October, one in November. And so I have very visceral connections to that star because I would sit on the couch watching Fixer Upper, also have very visceral connections with Chip and Joanna, (laughs) and breastfeeding at all hours and staring at that star and staring at my baby and the whole thing. And so we have to have that star up. That's number one. Okay. And then food tradition-wise, the very first Christmas that we had Aliyah, we had a very small Christmas, and it was me, Bren, Aliyah, and Bren's dad, who lives here. And um, I made a super simple leg of lamb, and a little pomegranate salsa, and I think I roasted some vegetables, and that was our Christmas dinner. And I put the lamb in the oven, we went for a walk around the neighborhood, we came back, the lamb was ready, we sat down, we ate. It was the most perfect Christmas dinner for me. It was so simple, and um, so I think I'm, I'm definitely doing like a lamb, because that to me is the most, you know, the most memorable Christmas for me. Mm -hmm. And then when I was growing up, because uh, my, my community in India is a Catholic community. Okay. So there's a portion of India that was uh, colonized by the Portuguese. So my last name, Sequeira, is actually probably pronounced Sequeira, and it's a Portuguese last name. Okay. And so we have like little uh, sweets that we make around Christmas time. They're very labor intensive. But the reason that you have them is because families go visiting with each other. And so you pull out these tubs of like coconut toffee and deep fried dough and sugar syrup and these things called noris that are sort of like empanadas, but they're stuffed with coconut and jaggery, which is unfiltered uh, uh, cane sugar. And you have that and you have a 
cup of tea and you have fruit cake that's been soaking in brandy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and yes. uh, you drink the tea and you eat all the sweets and you just catch up with each other and it's a tradition. And so um, I'm going to pick a couple of things and make them so that I don't know. I just, I feel like this apartment, whoever gets to be in this apartment is going to be so lucky because I feel like every bit of plaster is just soaked in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And the, the, the kindest thing my mom ever said to me is like, she walked into my house and then they went to bed because it was a late night flight. They, and I, when she woke up, I said, how did you sleep? And she said, I slept so good. And I said, oh, great. She goes, you know why? And I said, why? The mattress? She said, no, because <laughs> she said, because the Holy Spirit lives here. Oh, wow. And I just like got teary, Yeah. you know? And so I just, I think, you know, between the memories here and the fact that God has so blessed us in this house. I mean, he blessed us with our careers in this house. He blessed us with babies in this house. He's just been, we've been through so much in this apartment. I just, you know, I just want to make as many memories as possible before we have to leave. And I am a... Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm just a real big believer that that places can hold things like that. You know, like what happened in a house before you got there matters. Yeah. And what you bring to a place, you bring a presence everywhere you go. And and the Holy Spirit, it, where, where the Holy Spirit is invited, He lives. <laughs> and so I think you are giving such a gift to the next people who have your apartment that it is a home where where God has done miraculous, beautiful things. Yeah, for sure. And we're just going to ask the Lord to give, to go before you to North Carolina and prepare that same kind of home for y'all, you know, that you'll reap what you've sown in LA and yeah. in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Aliyah was getting really upset about moving. The kids have been up and down about it. Yeah, tell me their ages again. Oh, so Aliyah is six. And so her name is sort of like Elijah, but with a Y. Mm -hmm. And then Mosey, her name is Moses. She's four. Okay. And um, I only ever, we only ever noticed a, like a couple of years ago, they were doing like a Christmas something or other. And Eli and Mosey were standing there on the stage and it was like, all I want for Christmas is you. And they were standing with these pieces of card and they flipped the card over and it said, Jesus. And my friend was like, I finally got why you named them their names. And I said, you did? <laughs> and she said, yeah. Cause like when Jesus went up to the mountaintop, he met with Elijah and Moses. And I was <gasps> like, oh yeah, that's totally why we did it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so funny. And tell me about the differences in their personalities as y'all are thinking about moving. Yeah, they're super different. Um, so Alaya is the oldest. She's a very, they're both incredibly intelligent and articulate children. And I really think that's because they hang out with Bren all the time. <laughs> and he uses words like, don't make this so elaborate, Alaya. You know, and so she, now she knows what elaborate means, you know. <laughs> so Aliyah is the artist you know okay. she's very thoughtful she's a thinker um she likes things to be just so she's beautiful she has these very long artistic fingers and um she's really she's very thoughtful like for example this girl her class I told her that I'd seen on Instagram which is this is modern parenting I was right. like oh my gosh Aliyah Boo's bunny died and Aliyah just burst into tears. And I was like, babe, what's wrong? She goes, I'm just so worried for Boo. She loved that bunny. And I was like, the empathy in this girl is, is beyond. And then she immediately ran to her bed. She picked up this bunny toy and she came to me and she said, I'm going to give this bunny toy to Boo tomorrow. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay. You know, it's just, just incredible. And then Mosey is also super thoughtful, but she's very emotions first. And so she is, I always say she's at a 10 always. So that mm -hmm. means when she's mad, holy cow, is she mad? You know, it's like <laughs> yelling and screaming and saying really awful things. And then when she's happy and she loves you, I mean, no one tells me that she loves me more than Mosey does. Mm. And, you know, at nighttime, it's like hugs and kisses and, and she won't let me leave until she says, God bless you, mama. You know, she just, it's just, she's just at a 10 at all times. Oh, so and she's, she doesn't really care what anybody thinks about her. And, 
Um, so that's why, you know, if you look at Instagram when we're taking family fi- pictures, you know, Alaya has this beautiful, pra- you know, smile that she sort of practiced. And then Alaya, st- uh, and then Mosey is sticking her tongue out at the camera. That is the, <laughs> sort of their personality. <laughs> and tell me, you were starting a, a long time ago when I interrupted you, you were starting to tell a story about Alaya and y'all moving. Yeah. So Alaya said to me, oh, I don't want to move because what about my best friend, Cora? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know it's really hard to leave your friends. I said, I'm leaving my best friend, Karen, you know, so this is really hard. And I said, but, you know, remember when you were in preschool and you had uh, your best friend was Nicolina. And then you didn't know that in your new school, there was going to be another friend that God had prepared for you, who was going to be even dearer to you than Nicolina. Right. And she was like, Nicolina who? (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Yeah. So, and so I've actually been telling myself that same story. It's like, she and I are very similar in that, like, we like to control the outcome of things and we like to know how things are going to work out. You know, we're very cautious people. And so who knows, right? Who knows what God has prepared for Aliyah? And that goes for me too. Who knows? Maybe mm. I have an incredible friend waiting for me in, in Raleigh, you know, who's just waiting. Yeah. So it's, it's really like, I always say one time I remember I had postpartum depression after both of the girls. And so it took me a while to come around to sort of enjoying motherhood and um, at one point I said to Bren, you know what, Bren, everyone should have kids. And he looked at me sideways and he was like, everyone? I was like, okay, yeah, <laughs> not everyone, but everyone should have kids. Because that verse about how children are a gift from God is so true because I have learned so much about God from being a parent. Mm. I have learned so much about me from watching them and sort of when to be hard on myself and when to be gentle with myself. Mm -hmm. And I have learned so much about sort of the things that, you know, my selfishness level, like the things that I truly need to feel at rest, you know, all those sorts of things. I think as, as we, you know, there, I see people having bigger and bigger families, but I also see more and more people not having kids. And I'm like, I can, I hear you. And, and who am I to tell you how you should be leading your life? But I really think that children are not just, you know, people are like, oh, they're so expensive. They take up your time and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, what they give you in exchange, though, you cannot put a price on and you cannot have enough time in your life to give you the same amount that they give you back. It's just that's why God says that they're a gift. Yeah, man, that and I think what you're going to I'm guessing I've never moved with children, but I have moved to a city where I didn't have any people before. And, and my guess is you're going to even have a deeper understanding of God's faithfulness this time, because you're going to watch him be faithful to them too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm really hoping for that. I mean, the good thing is that they're very outgoing, extroverted kids, you know, they'll talk to anybody, grown up, child, anybody. And so I really hope that that will, you know, be, you know, that that's a tool that God has grown in their tool belt, you know, for this time. And I'm also just excited to see them get dirty and put their feet in mud every day and pick up worms and yeah. you know, all that stuff that um, they're not getting here because their backyard is concrete. Right, right. <laughs> all the things they will get in a North Carolina. That's exactly right. Well, here's my request of you, Artie. If y'all drive through Nashville, will you come and be on the show again and us have like a, okay, here's the mid, the mid, because I just would love for us to... As your friends, oh, here's a couple of things I want to say also. The Lord does have a friend for you in mm-hmm. North Carolina. I am very sure of that. And so I don't even think you, I'm just going to pray along those lines. Um, so yes to that. But I would just love to, I mean, as your Annie, I'm going to walk with you in this as well. But I would love for you to kind of let our friends who are listening walk some of this with you as well. I mean, they can follow you on Instagram and watch, but if y'all drive through Nashville, let's just get on the microphone again and talk about step two of this, you know? Yeah, I would love that. I would I would really love that. I mean, I, I can't believe how one chance meeting on a TV show has <laughs> has just bloomed into the friendship that we have. Oh, I, I am more Isn't that grateful incredible? for it. I am more grateful for it than you could even imagine. It is just, Aww. it is 
I'll never be able to thank Hallmark Home and Family enough for putting us <laughs> on the same day two years ago or whatever, whenever it was. Yeah, I mean, that to me, that is just such a... That day to me was a was an absolute, uh, the Lord saying, hey, look, Annie, I am going to show up. I will show up for you over and over. Mm-hmm. It was just really, really sweet of him. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, when my friend died a couple of months ago, it was a, it was such a shock. I've never lost anybody before. Yeah. And so, you know, my grandparents, but that was when I was very little. And so it just, uh, it just makes you realize that like the stuff of life is people. Yes. It's your health and all of those kinds of things, but it's really, it's people. And I think that's one of the things that even as I'm saying it now, I think that that's why it was so easy for Jesus to not have a place to call a home, not to have like more than one outfit. Yeah. And because he thrived off being with people because he recognized that's the stuff, man, that's it. And I'm as, as I'm leaving and sort of in this transition here and then having lost my friend who like, uh, Annie, there are just so many times a day where I'm like, ah, oh, I wonder what Carl would have thought of this, you know, yeah. or I wish I could ask Carl what I should do right now, you know, and and it doesn't have to look like a friendship that you think like Carl and I barely saw each other. And yet I had his back. He had my back. And yes. I feel the same way for you and me. Yeah. But, but that's the stuff. Like that's yeah. the stuff. Yeah. And I want that for my kids. And I, I just, I want that to be the priority for all of us, especially right now when we're so everything I hear is about people being divided and not mm-hmm. liking each other and not understanding each other. And how could you think this? And how could you think that whether it's within the Christian community, whether it's the political community, it's like or lifestyle communities, like all these different things. We're just sort of defined by our uh, division. Yeah. You know, which right. side of the fence are you on? And I'm just sort of like, I really think that God is like, no, 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 you're missing the point. Yeah. The point is not that you're different. That it that's like that's the joy. How right. what a joy that you're different from right. other people. How right. boring would it be if we were all the same? Oh, can you imagine? You no. know? Yes. I mean, you see it just in a family. Like, like look at our family, right? Like my husband's white, Boston Irish, uh, Calvinist, yeah. right? And then me, Indian, grew up in the Middle East, like grew up Catholic. So imagine the conversations we've had. Sure. Yeah. And and then you look at my kids, right? Like you've got Aliyah and Mosey who are polar opposites. You just look within any family and you're like, oh, we are not meant to hang around with just people who are like us. Yeah. Not the way that life is supposed to be. No, it is. There's way. Dang, girl, I come up with good stuff when I talk to you. That is the truth. And I'm recording it so you can remember. <laughs> We've got this all recorded. <laughs> oh, Artie, I love you. Hey, uh, we have one billion other things to talk about, but we don't have a lot of time because you've got a lot to know. do and it's Christmas season. But what I is there anything we left out that you really want to talk about today before you're on the show in two months when you drive through? I don't know. Just pray for me, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to broaden myself outside of food. Like I, I started my, my dream when I was 11 was to be an international correspondent because oh, I grew wow. up during the Gulf war and I saw Christian Amanpour and I was like, this is what I want to do. And so this whole thing is a second career. My first career was a news producer. I worked at CNN for years I produced a documentary about Darfur and the genocide that was happening there. And so that side of me is feeling very underutilized at the moment. Wow. Like, listen, I can talk to you about a cookie, Annie Downs. I can talk to you about a cookie. (laughs) But I just feel like there's another side of me that I feel like God put in me and I'm trying to figure out how to fuse these two things together. Yeah. And so that's sort of what I'm hoping the next year 2020 with perfect vision that's right will sort of help me see like that's been my press like god how do you see me i want to see how you mm. see me i don't want to ask anybody else anymore and i definitely don't want to know what i think yes. i want to see your vision for me that's, that's right I, that's all i want well that is a great direction for us to pray for you my people are that listen are very kind to pray when people ask them to so you better just watch out for you asking them to pray because now you got them. Now you got them. <laughs> oh, and we, that's the other reason we want to keep up is because we want to hear how you sort this and how you and Bryn sort it and how God answers you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's also encouraging, right? To see how it turns out. It is. I mean, that's, I mean, 
That's the beauty of telling the truth in the middle, Artie. That's the gift you've given us. That is the Christmas gift you've given us for real is you have said, we are right in the middle and we do not know how, uh, this may make me cry. We do not know how God's going to pull this off, but we don't know how to tell you anything else except the truth. And we're right in the middle of it. And so you have given us a gift of watching God be faithful to you. And the first time you post a picture of you and your new friends in Raleigh, North Carolina, we're all going to lose our minds. Because it'll be God providing for I you. I know. I'm going to cry. I know. So, okay. We can't cry. Here's I'm what we need crying. To do. You've done it. You've we... done it, Baba Walters. <laughs> <laughs> the Baba Walters of the Christian community. That's right. Well, here's the, so here we go. We'll, we'll tie it up all happy here at the end. Because the show is called That Sounds Fun, Artie. Tell me what you do for fun. Ooh. Um, this is so, it's so weird, but, um, I love to paint my nails. Oh, yes. What color did you do last night? I did a deep sort of crimson berry red for Christmas. Oh, I love it. And I know that people, you know, like to go and get them done, but I think my type A does not allow that. I don't, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. So I like to put a show on, like, I think last night I was watching, uh, I was watching The Crown. Yes. And I do my nails and it's just a time where I I just my brain is not working. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. It's just at a zero. Yep. And that's the other thing. And then the other thing I really love to do, if I may add a second, is play yes. the piano. I've come back to that. I didn't know that. And it's really it makes me so happy. I started when I was seven, I think. Okay. And I remember that I would just, I would hear something on the radio and I'd go to the piano and I'd play it. And then my mom started, was like, you need to take piano lessons. And I said, no, I don't want to. Right. And I did. And it's one of the best things she ever did for me. Oh, I love it. Well, okay. Those are good answers, my friend. Those both sound very fun. (laughs) You did it. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for doing this, Artie. I really love you. I'm really thankful for you being a good friend and telling the truth and, and walking life with me. I'm really thankful. Yeah, me too. I love you so much, honey. Thank you for having me on. I've been waiting and waiting for a moment. <laughs> I know. Us too. I, you're going to see, I just tagged you on Instagram because people are coming out of the woodwork that I showed that you're on today. They're like, praise him. There's people thanking God that this conversation's happening. <laughs> <laughs> no so, way. <laughs> yes, they are very happy. So they're going to be really glad when they hear this one and know that That's it's the so first funny. of multiple episodes. Yes, I love it. I love it. Oh, friends, don't you love Artie? It just felt so generous of her to invite us into the middle of their story of believing God and and a faith moment. I can't tell you how, uh, in in good ways, uh, how heavy that conversation felt to me and how important it felt to me for us to be in this with her. So if you get a chance to reach out to Artie over these holidays and encourage her as she is just weeks away from moving her family, her husband, her children, everybody moving all the way across the country. Um, If you have done that, if you know what that feels like, if you have moved to a new city, if you have stepped out in faith and not sure how it was going to work or if it was going to work, I think an encouraging word to Artie today and to her husband, Brendan, might be really helpful. And if you get a chance when you're praying or if you're learning to pray and just want to say Artie's name to God, I think that's a great thing we can do in this holiday season. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs, F as in food, because Artie cooks some delicious food and judges it too, which I appreciate. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Day six of our 12-day Christmas party is done. And tomorrow on the show is another interesting conversation with Ted and Rochelle Decker, father and daughter authors. And we have a fascinating conversation. I just, I love people who don't think just like me. And that is what we get to do on the show is have conversations who think with people who think different than us. And I'm so thankful. And Ted is the first guest we've ever had on the show. He is the reason I started this podcast. So it was such a joy to have him back. That is coming tomorrow as our 12 days of Christmas continue. Hey, don't forget to stick around for some Christmas stories from our guests from 2019 and then go out and do something that sounds fun to you, friends. I will do the same. And we'll see you back here tomorrow with the Deckers. Hey, this is Benjamin Watson, tight end for the New England Patriots. My favorite Christmas memory growing up uh, was when I got my Nintendo. 
I wanted the Nintendo so badly. <laughs> Everybody was playing it. I wanted to play Mario Brothers. Wanted to play Duck yes, Hunt. Yes. All those fun games. Didn't think I was going to get it. We used to always get together like a lot of families do for Christmas. We lived on the other side of the block from my grandparents. So we would walk around. I, we would make little gifts like wreaths made out of like nuts and berries. And we'd glue them together. We'd bring them to give to our grandparents and stuff. And my aunts and uncles would come. And the last gift, uh, it was my turn open gifts. And my last gift, I got this box and I ripped it open. And behold, the Nintendo. <laughs> And if I could have left the family gathering right then oh, and plugged it in, I would sure. have. So I had to like suck it up and wait. But that was that was my. I'll never forget that. Never forget it. Hi, I'm Kristen Strong, author of Backroads to Belonging, and my favorite Christmas story probably centers on a gift I got when I was nine. I think Cabbage Patch Kids. They were all the rage, and that you could not find them anywhere. And my parents had convinced my sisters and I that we weren't going to be able to get one because there were none to be had. The Sears and JCPenney catalogs were out, <laughs> and toy stores were out. Christmas morning, we wake up. What's under our tree? Cabbage Patch Kids. Mine was Leslie Octavia. I still remember her name. <laughs> and she was the joy of that year. <laughs> but I would say in general, just um, favorite Christmas memories, um, childhood growing up, going to my grandmother's house and having snacks, all kinds of delicious treats, kind of carrying that on with my own family. We always have on Christmas Day lots of finger foods, delicious treats, um, reading the Luke 2, as well as the Christmas uh, story, uh, or the Christmas, um, the night before Christmas, and um, just enjoying being together. We're Kevin and Ree Queen, and one favorite Christmas memory, um, really, it's, it's, it, it happens every Christmas, but one of my favorite things to do at Christmas time is to get out the, the restoration hardware advent calendar with the little doors that open and yeah. close and to put four little kisses in each door little chocolate kisses and when the kids were little I would also include like a Christmas activity sporadically placed they didn't know where they were going to be and behind the doors um like you know bake cookies or make um Christmas tree um ice cream cone Christmas trees or footprint angels or whatever whatever the case may be and um every day they just come down in the morning and they open the door and they get their little kisses out and if there's a piece of paper in there that gives a christmas activity then they know they have that to look forward to when they get home from school and um, it also helps us count down to christmas because christmas is the funnest day of the year you just love it i love it so much why i don't know i just love it and it, in later years, honestly, 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 the Advent season is has become my absolute favorite. I know you uh, you can uh, agree with that too, mm -hmm. Annie. It is. I love the Advent season, and yeah. I love to just you know study alongside that season. So anyway, so as of late, it's the Advent season that I love so much. But Christmas music, Christmas decorations, a live tree, the stockings all the things. <laughs>